It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, you know, it was definitely a big win for us, um, you know, to get back in the win column. Um, you know, the way we did it, you know, playing defense, sharing the ball, everybody was involved, um, was big for us, and we want to build on that. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day and you are indeed locked on magic today is november 14th 2019 my name is philip rossenreich i'm the expert insight editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com of course follow us on twitter or follow me on twitter at philip rr underscore omd on today's episode we'll talk all about the magic's 112 to 97 win over the philadelphia 76ers the first real big win of the magic season what went right what still needs to be worked on and what this could mean for the Magic moving forward as they close out this homestand Friday and Sunday against the San Antonio Spurs and the Washington Wizards. Before we do any of that, though, I do want to remind you all that you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network by searching on iTunes for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like this podcast here covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, this podcast covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you would find here on this podcast from a local expert who knows their team best. Want to get the Philadelphia 76ers perspective on today's on uh, Wednesday's game? Check out Locked On Sixers. Want to look ahead to the San Antonio Spurs and hear what they're thinking after their loss to the Minnesota Timberwolves? Check out Locked On Spurs. Um, there's a juicy rumor, of course, that we'll talk a little bit more about on tomorrow's episode of Locked On Magic that, involving the Spurs, too. You can find all these great podcasts wherever you download podcasts, plus Locked On NBA, Locked On Fantasy Basketball, the Duncan and Hollinger NBA podcast, and plenty more. There's a Locked On podcast for your taste and flavor wherever you want, whether it's MLB, NBA, NFL, college, and NHL teams too. You can find all these great podcasts wherever you download podcasts to search for Locked On and the team you're looking for today. For three quarters on Wednesday, the Orlando Magic looked kind of rough. I mean, I, I think... I think it was pretty telling when when a, a reporter asked Steve Clifford, and I could honestly play a clip, uh, when a reporter asked Steve Clifford how the Magic executed and played for during the game, Clifford kind of chuckled, <laughs> kind of laughed at the question. No offense to the reporter there. Um, it wasn't me. <laughs> um, but he laughed at the question. He laughed a little bit at the question said, you know, we weren't very good for three quarters. Um, and that, that's really the truth. I, I do have to agree with that. For three quarters, it looked like the Magic were a bit out of it defensively. Their offense was doing just enough to stay in it. Uh, but Philadelphia always seemed like they were on the edge of running away with this game. I mean, and I think, honestly, we're beginning to see that the Magic, you know, while a good three-point defense team, and I think they are a good three defensive team against a three-pointer, the Magic tend to do well against teams that aren't dangerous from beyond the arc. Uh, the Knicks, the Cavs, the, you know, the, the Grizzlies, the, the, uh, the Sixers, 
not good three-point shooting teams. I would venture to guess they're all near the bottom of the league in three-point field goal percentage. You know, obviously the Indiana Pacers also not a high-volume three-point shooting team, and that was a game that I think the Magic felt like they could have and should have won. But like that Indiana game, there's a lot of similarities between these two games. Like that Indiana game, not that Philadelphia was walking into shots that they wanted and scoring at will, because they weren't. But like that Indiana game, Orlando was just kind of there, and everyone was waiting for that other shoe to drop, and everyone was waiting for the offense to stop and for Orlando to sort of give the game away, for lack of a, a better way to phrase it. But things clicked on in the fourth quarter. Things clicked on in a way that the Magic have needed them to click on. Orlando outscores Philadelphia 32-15 to in the fourth quarter. All the sort of bad habits and, and, and uninspired play that characterized the Magic through those first three quarters, whether it was you know, settling for jumpers or, or just kind of you know, aimless two-man actions. Listless, you know, not physical defense. All those things seemed to turn off, turn off. And like a switch, the Magic started playing exactly how we remember them playing. The Magic started to get themselves moving back in the right direction. They started, in other words, to look like the team that won all those games last year. Yeah, I mean, that, you know, that's what you know, that's what it's going to have to be. You know, we, we're going to have to, you know, make plays and, and change the momentum of, of the game. We, you know, we can't, you know, just sit there and, and let you know teams get a get a lead on us and keep building and building without responding. So, um, you know, we came in and, and you know we, we you know we had to you know be a little physical, which you know which is always good. You know, we need to go in there and, and play physical and get stops and and score on the other end. Magic guard Michael Carter-Williams there discussing uh, the Magic's turnaround, and he was a big part of that turnaround. Um, you, you know, something that, that he said there strikes me now that I'm listening back to it. Terrence Ross said after Sunday's game against Indiana Pacers that the Pacers sort of made a run, and, and the Magic never responded. Now, the Pacers took control of that game in the third quarter and, and really into the fourth quarter, and Orlando never really put together a run to respond. It was, it was always maybe inching back a little bit and then falling behind. It was never a, a huge push. So Orlando certainly had motivation and certainly had um, a, a desire then to make that push back, to, to push back against the Philadelphia 76ers, to make good for what was a, a really poor effort on Sunday, to be honest, or, or, or uh, not, not quite the effort the Magic won. And Michael Carter-Williams played a big role in this. Michael Carter-Williams, right now, you know, I, I know there's plenty of criticism about playing him or, or playing him and DJ Augustine, and uh, a lot of fans kind of want to, Clifford to settle in on a nine-man rotation, but Michael Carter-Williams has forced his way into this rotation because he provides an element of edginess, of kind of nastiness that, that, this, that this Magic team generally doesn't have. Late in the third quarter, Josh Richardson took a three, Jumped into Michael Carter-Williams a little bit, but Carter-Williams kind of was in his space when he landed, and Richardson crumpled on the floor, and the foul was called, as, as probably should have been. But Carter-Williams' foul was upgraded to a flagrant, flagrant one. Clearly wasn't happy with it. Fans weren't happy with it either. 
Richardson made the free throw. And if not for Al Horford missing the three-pointer, it would have been a disastrous seven-point uh, swing, seven-point possession that you know might have changed the momentum of the game, to be perfectly honest. Was, this was, this was a, a moment on the edge. But roughly about a minute later, not, not even a minute later in, in game action, Carter Williams drew another block. Again, just being physical, just being into his, his man. And Josh Richardson said something to him or to the official and picked up a technical foul. Carter Williams was, was clearly a little bit under his skin and, you know, was, was just kind of getting, trying to pick up the defensive energy up a little bit. As Clifford would say, Clifford would say after the game, you know, one of the big problems the Magic have and, and something that they'll have to improve upon off of this game is they have to be more physical on the ball. They have to get up into their man a little bit. And, you know, the fact that Philadelphia took only 13 free throws is, is both a good thing that the Magic aren't fouling a lot, but it might also be a sign that they're not playing at the physicality and, and level of, of physicality that they need to play defense at the elite level they have to play at. As, as Steve Clifford would also say before the game, we have to be good at defense whether we're scoring or we're not scoring. And, and the Magic Magic's defensive game here is sort of a mixed bag. Fourth quarter was really great. First three quarters, not so much. But Michael Carter-Williams clearly kind of lit a fuse. Either... His flagrant foul, either his, his you know little bit of physicality, was either going to lead to the Magic giving up a lot of points and losing the game. And Carter Williams admits that yeah, he's an emotional player, and sometimes that emotion goes turns the wrong way. But he lit a spark here, and it was up to the Magic's best players to take that spark and go on with it. To take that spark and. Make something of it. And that's what they did in the fourth quarter. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but really the first words you want to say are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And trust me, as someone named Jake, that is a fact. That's the phrase that will help you feel good knowing that you have people who could help you find the right coverage for the things you want to protect. Insurance doesn't need to be complicated with a State Farm agent. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits you because your situation is unique. And State Farm is there to help you feel supported with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. And when you need ways to get help, don't yell or be angry because State Farm gives you options there too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com or their award-winning app. State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Aaron Gordon had a rough game. I know what Steve Clifford said in a question that I asked after the game, that he thought Gordon was pretty good. I did not think Aaron Gordon was pretty good. Um, you know, and, and watching back the game, it maybe was not as bad as I thought during the during watching it live, but Gordon really struggled defending Ben Simmons early in the game. Either the Magic's game plan against him with involving a lot of switching wasn't good, or Gordon just wasn't engaged. Again, we're talking... A big thing that this Magic team has to do better at is being physical on the ball, and I don't think Gordon was very good on the ball against Ben Simmons. Simmons did a really good job attacking the rim, attacking off cuts, and Gordon didn't wasn't particularly engaged defensively for much of the night. But if there's a play that, to me, defines the run the Magic would make in the fourth quarter, 
It was from Aaron Gordon. And a little bit of a cat and mouse game. Gordon tried to, to take a charge and got called for a block. But that seed was planted in Simmons that if he's going to drive, Gordon's going to plant his feet and try and take a charge. And so perhaps that caused Simmons to pull up a little bit and not attack the basket as aggressively. And that gave Gordon the opportunity, along with Nikola Vucevic, because Vucevic was there with him, the chance to block the shot, block a shot. Really stuffed Simmons at the rim. A really just strong defensive play. So a defensive play that you know only a few players can make, certainly on this team and probably in the league. But Gordon blocks a shot. He gets the rebound, charges up court, gets into the into the paint, and then dishes it to Evan Fournier in the corner for for three. That three made it, I believe, an eight-point game, an eight-point lead for the Magic. And it just felt like this play in a game where the Magic struggled so much defensively through three quarters, this play uncorked the bottle. Suddenly, all that pressure was released, and Orlando was just able to race ahead to a big victory. 112-97 victory, if I haven't said the score already. It was a huge, huge, huge moment for this team. Something that they desperately needed. Clifford had a really good kind of saying, or coachism, I guess, after the game. In this game, in a game where you don't have your best, when you have to find a way to win, when you have to grind out a victory, your best players have to step up in the biggest moment. And that's exactly what happened. This is a team that hasn't played a lot of close games this year. Now, they've struggled in close games, and they don't have a marquee win. Cleveland's been a nice surprise early in the season, but they're under 500. The Knicks are the Knicks. The Grizzlies are a nice young team, but you know they're a nice young team that's losing a lot. A nice, they picked up a nice win against the Charlotte Hornets on Wednesday. This is the first playoff caliber opponent and yes the Sixers were without Joel Embiid and that would have changed a lot of things and the Magic recognized that in the locker room but all wins count the same they're not going to complain this is the first playoff caliber opponent the Magic had beaten and they had to do it the way that they won games last year with Gordon being as much a playmaker as he is a scorer timely three-pointers moving the ball Defense feeding the offense. DJ Augustine probing and and moving in and out of the lane. Orlando did everything right in those final 12 minutes, and it got them the win. If you look at that quarter, we we grinded it out. You know, we played defense. We got deflection steals. We ran on ran on uh, steals in, in defense, and uh, we scored. You know, we played together. Um, everybody played their role, and uh, that's what we need to do every night for the full game. Those final statistics, as D.J. Augustine said there, as far as what they did in that fourth quarter. Orlando outscores Philadelphia 32-15. to They shoot 54.2%, 13 for 24 from the field. Only 2 of 7 from beyond the arc, so not a big three-point shooting. And only 4 of 5 from the foul line, so not a big free-throw shooting quarter either, especially in this game. But Orlando has no turnovers. They have 8 assists on 13 field goal makes. And their defense did the job. The Sixers shoot just 31.6%, 6 for 19 in the quarter, just 1 of 7 from beyond the arc. And Philadelphia turns the ball over 7 times, leading to 11 Orlando points. This was just a dominant quarter. 
And really from the start, when Philadelphia turned the ball over twice in their first two or three possessions of the quarter, you know, not not all of them forced because Philadelphia has a penchant for turning it over, and it's been uh, it's been probably one of their big weaknesses so far this year as they they turn the ball over a lot. But Orlando just gave Philadelphia problems and then took advantage of them again. That spark was lit earlier, and Orlando carried it to the end with their best players making the biggest plays. Aaron Gordon, only four points, but five rebounds, three assists. DJ Augustine and Nikola Vucevic worked the pick and roll to perfection. Vucevic scored 12 of his 25 points in the fourth quarter, making six of eight field goals. DJ Augustine finished with six points in the quarter and four assists. The Magic didn't have to shoot well. They just had to, they just had to execute. And they executed again and again and again. The same play the same like kind of move, the same kind of combination, but they're able to feed, use their defense to feed their offense. If there is a way the Magic know they need to play, if they needed to see that clearly, they should watch the fourth quarter of this game. Because it did feel very much like that breakthrough season that they had last year, that breakthrough run that they had last year. It felt that big. And of course, they got a big win for it. Orlando still has a lot of work to do. And again, should go without mention that yes, Joel Embiid did not play in this game. So, grains of salt all around. Joel Embiid did not play in this game. So the Sixers were undermanned. The team is still not quite where it needs to be. Defensively, they... Or, you know, for lack of a better term, were soft. They weren't physical enough. They hung in the game. They kept it close. But this team's done plenty of keeping it close. Especially now that the offense is working re- more regularly, is starting to look a little more normal, is starting to, you know, produce some numbers. The Magic are ripe to get wins. So in that sense, yes, it's good they got a result. But the defense still has to improve. And the team still has to make this consistent. But tonight's a reminder that they can indeed do it. Man, we, we just got to be patient. We got to be patient with this team. Um, we got a lot of talent on this team. Uh, it's a very good win for us, but it's uh, better basketball to be played for this team. And the Magic certainly hope to see that better basketball sooner than later. But And this was a win on that process to get there. Still a lot of work to do. Still a lot of work to do. But for this night on the, in this fourth quarter, the Magic did exactly what they'll have to do to get there. Attention, past, present, and future MyBookie players. During Thanksgiving week, MyBookie is offering a risk-free bet on the Bears-Lions game. Simply choose a team against the spread for up to $250. If you win, congrats. You've got extra holiday spending money. If you lose, congrats as well. MyBookie will give you all your money back. That's right, all your money back. It's a no-brainer because you literally cannot lose. It's no risk and all gravy. It doesn't matter whether you're an experienced player or a first-time customer, MyBookie welcomes all to come play. So quit waiting around and sign up today. If you have questions about sports betting and using MyBookie, don't sweat it. 
MyBookie's patient customer service team can walk you through the process. And the best part is if you join this Thanksgiving week, you'll still have one last shot to take advantage of their incredible sign-up offer. Just log on to mybookie.ag. Make your first deposit with promo code LOCKEDONNBA. And MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar to jumpstart your bankroll. And that's on top of the risk-free bet. Let me repeat. That's a guaranteed deposit match and a risk-free bet for Thanksgiving only. So if you're a true football fan, you do not want to let this opportunity pass you by. You simply cannot lose. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Make sure you do your part to support your team this season. Hop on the gravy train, get some stuffing, and get in on the action with my bookie. You play, you win, you get paid. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Let's run through those final stats for you real fast as uh, the Magic defeat the uh, Philadelphia 76ers 112-97. to Orlando's led in scoring by Nikola Vucevic with 25 points, 12 rebounds for him, 11 for 18 shooting, 2 for 4 from beyond the arc. I have to say, you know, I, 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 I've gotten into a lot of conversations about Nikola Vucevic and whether he's, you know, truly, you know, not necessarily an all-star, but truly the, the guy that should be the best player on the team. And I've come to kind of describe how Vucevic plays as he's the guy that paces you throughout the game and gets you to the finish line. He's not the guy that's probably going to finish the game off and you can judge whether that's what you want in a best player or not later. Big men are tough to gauge because most big men don't finish games in the way that, that people think of finishing games as, as stars do. But I, I really like this game from Nikola Vucevic. I thought he was just solid across the board and, and almost to a point where you didn't notice him because he's just getting his normal shots, his normal looks. And, you know, he's able to work quickly in the post. Uh, did not Al Horford didn't bother him, which I think is a really big sign for him because Horford is such a good defender and has given Vucevic problems in the past. Uh, but he did such, he did a really good job attacking the post, especially in that fourth quarter. He scored 12 of his 25 in the fourth quarter. A lot of pick and rolls, very active rolling to the basket. He did not settle for that jumper, and I think that's a huge thing. Defensively, when he was in the paint, I thought he did a good job uh, kind of holding his line and, and, and making shots difficult, uh, challenging shots at the rim, getting rebounds. He did all the things that Nikola Vucevic has to do. This was a really strong game for him. Probably his I'll venture to say this was his best game of the season. And again, a lot of it was you just didn't notice he was putting up a lot of points or because everything just felt so natural. And, and that's really, I think, when Nikola Vucevic is at his best. Aaron Gordon finished with 18 points, 4 for 12 shooting, 3 for 5 from beyond the arc, 7 for 9 from the foul line, 13 rebounds, 7 assists. Uh, the stat line is as confusing as the game, game was for Aaron Gordon. 
He had a couple jumpers early, which was nice. Um, and I think he has this, I think he's really comfortable with sort of his kind of two dribble step back shot. And and I and I don't necessarily mind that shot so much. Um I, I think, you know, when he has a mind to score, he is probably still the best option the Magic have to get a, 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 of an isolation score. And, and I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing, but um, I, I do think that Gordon can hit those shots. And so I don't mind him taking a few. The issue with Aaron Gordon is when he's over dribbling, when he's trying too hard to score, when he's not moving the ball. And you could kind of, you know, once he gets to like that third dribble, if he hasn't taken a shot, he needs to move the ball. And that's still something that the Magic have to work with him on and something that Gordon has to kind of get in, get in his head a little bit. Um, that, you know, his success isn't going to come from over-dribbling. He did eventually find his way, and, and he had, you know, three assists in the fourth quarter alone, three of his seven assists, and the, the assist number to me means more than any other number because that, that means he's moving the ball. So his game wasn't maybe as bad as it looked initially. Um, I thought through three quarters, though, he wasn't good defensively on Ben Simmons. I thought he uh, allowed himself to get switched too often. Uh, and I don't think the communication, whether whether it's his responsibility or someone else's responsibility to communicate that switch, I don't think the switch communication was not good. And so Orlando's defense really suffered. And, I, and I, you know, Simmons is the point guard for the Sixers. So I thought Gordon needed to be a little bit more into him, uh, you know, be a little bit more physical with him. And I thought he was a little too passive and too hands-off. And it wasn't until the fourth quarter that he really got into Simmons, whether that was, you know, strategy, you know, kind of playing, playing possum with him a little bit, you know, maybe that's Maybe that's 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 me looking for a silver lining to to how I how you know frustrated I was watching Gordon play, uh, especially in the first half. I think it maybe picked up a little bit in the second half. Um, but overall, Gordon was able to turn this game into a positive. Um, he, he obviously scored a little bit. I was able to get to the foul line, which is I think a huge deal for this team. And, and you know, Orlando shoots uh, thirty four free throw attempts in this game. That's the most they've they've made this season, or they've taken this season. They made uh, twenty six of them. Um, they're, they're, they're getting to the line more regularly, and I do think that's a trend uh, that we should keep an eye on, especially because the Magic struggled to score so much, and free throws was really what kept them in a few games. Um, so I do think that this is something to keep an eye on, and, and a nice welcome change for Orlando, which is, you know, Orlando's been one of the worst free throw teams, at least getting to, uh, of getting to the line uh, in the league for the last six or seven years, so, you know, since Dwight Howard left. So uh, that's a, that's a continuing, continually positive trend for Orlando. Markel Fultz uh, with eight points, two for six shooting. Um, did did a nice job overall. You know, missed some shots pretty pretty bad. Um, missed some jumpers are pretty bad, but his two his two makes were really good. Uh, uh, an attack to the basket early on in the game, and then a dunk early in the third quarter. Orlando's still managing his minutes, and I know there's frustration over that, but it's injury related. Um, you know, him playing about 24 minutes a game. That's all injury related, so I I, I don't mind that. Uh, I still think good things happen when he's on the floor. Um, you know, he's just—it's just about him building confidence again and, and, and building comfort out there. Um, the shot—the shot will either fall or won't. So, uh, you know, I think Markel did a good job overall. Um, Jonathan Isaac with 12 points, five for nine shooting, displayed a nice little fadeaway jump, post fadeaway jumper on two occasions. He made his first four shots, so a really good impact there. Didn't have quite the defensive impact uh, that he did otherwise. Um, the Magic opted to match Aaron's Aaron Gordon's minutes with Ben Simmons, so Gordon. Had the exclusive, almost exclusive. There's, you know, maybe a 30 second stretch where uh, Simmons was was on the floor without Gordon, but Gordon essentially had the exclusive assignment on Ben Simmons. Uh, I would have liked to see Isaac get a shot at him. Um, you know, I, I I think what was interesting is 
Clifford opted to, to leave Al Farouk Aminu off of the rotation. Aminu only played a minute and a half at the end of the first half. Um, and Clifford said part of that was he was trying to get other guys in rhythm, get the other bench players, get the Magic's, uh, he calls them their skill players, so their shot makers in rhythm, and they need more time to do that. And the way that this game played out, that kind of squeezed Aminu out of the rotation. Aminu will be back. I don't think it's it's anything permanent. But essentially, what what I what I would question here is uh, the reason you sign Aminu is so you don't have to match Gordon's minutes with LeBron or with Kawhi or with uh, Ben Simmons because you have three guys theoretically who could defend him in Isaac, Aminu, and Gordon. So you can just keep your normal rotation. You will always have one of those three guys on the floor to defend someone like that. Um, so you know maybe that's an issue for the playoffs. Maybe that's a question for the playoffs, but. In this game, Clifford decided to, to match Gordon's minutes, and, and so Aminu got squeezed out. But on that note, the rhythm thing started to work a little bit. Terrence Ross, 13 points, 4 for 11, shooting 3 for 8 from beyond the arc, uh, was was taking and, and making the shots that he he was making last year um, and, and made some big shots down the stretch. So uh, Ross is, you know, his efficiency isn't there, but it wasn't there last year either. Um, Ross is starting to hit the shots that he was hitting last year and is looking like he did in the preseason before his injury. And I think that's, you know, I, I, I do get the sense that the injury issues the Magic faced in the preseason were probably a little more serious than they let on. And, and, and so I think the Magic are still kind of getting their feet back under them and getting their rhythm. And so seeing Ross have a game like this, especially playing late in the game, was a very, very good sign, I think, for the Orlando Magic. Evan Fournay also 13 points, 5 for 10 shooting, just 1 for 5 from beyond the arc, but hit that big three in the fourth quarter that propelled the Magic to the victory. Other notable scores, DJ Augustine, 12 points, 4 for 13 shooting, 8 assists for him. Michael Carter-Williams, 11 points, 3 for 5 shooting, 5 for 7 from beyond the arc. Um, Did a really good job just mixing things up and getting a little physical when the Magic needed that energy boost. Orlando shoots just 44.2% from the floor, 10 for 32 from beyond the arc, so not great percentages there. 26-34 26-34 from the foul line, so big boost there. They turned the ball over 13 times, very sloppy through the first three quarters. No turnovers Turnovers in the fourth quarter. Philadelphia shoots 44%, 8 for 30 from beyond the arc, 9 for 13 from the foul line, 15 turnovers, including 7 turnovers in the fourth quarter. Orlando outscores Philadelphia 32-15 to in the fourth quarter, and they win the game 112-97. to That's going to do for me today. Today, I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. You can, of course, follow us on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, Google Play, Spotify, and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can follow me on Twitter at omd. And, of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. You can follow us on Twitter there at omagicdaily. That's going to do it for me today, though. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.